I'm with Amarjeet Singh Dulat, a former head of India's external intelligence agency, the RNAW, a former senior official of India's internal intelligence agency, the Intelligence Bureau. And today we have uh, Mr. Dulat's book, A Life in the Shadows, his third book after a book that he wrote on uh, the Vajpayee years when he was an advisor in the Atal Bihari Vajpayee government in the prime minister's office at the time. And another book with Pakistan's former spy master, Asad Durrani, called The Spy Chronicles. And this is his third book. And it basically gives us the twin thrusts of Mr. Dulat's life, Kashmir and also Pakistan. So we will talk about this and many other subjects. Mr. Dulat, welcome to the print. Thanks a lot, Jyoti. It's always a pleasure. So interesting book. I've um, sort of... But my question to you is, you know, you, you talk about a lot of things. You talk about how intelligence gathering is perhaps the most interesting uh, job in the world. I didn't say the oldest profession in the world. Uh, but your, the twin sort of uh, passions that define you and your work, your life, Kashmir, and may I say Pakistan. Sure. You know, actually, everything, a lot of things in life happen quite accidentally. I was uh, never supposed to really go to, to Kashmir. I had been posted in Bhopal and normally our outstation postings were uh, three years and I had done almost four years. Mm -hmm. So I was due to come back to headquarters when out of the blue I had got this proposal saying that uh, would you be willing to go to Srinagar. To Srinagar. And uh, although I, I bought a couple of days, I said, let me ask my wife. But the idea appealed to me immediately because staying out of headquarters, um, I, I enjoyed life in the outstations much more because you had a little bit of autonomy, not much. You don't have the kind of autonomy that the ISI has, but still <laughs> you do. Here at headquarters, you are a cog in the machine. It just goes on and on and on. So therefore, when I was told to go to Srinagar, uh, I went to Srinagar. And I thought, well, this is a, sounds great, great place to work, and uh, beautiful valley, it'd be a good holiday, good everything. And it began like that. It seemed like, you know, very happy valley, but mm -hmm. things went uh, Totally out of control. Very, You're talking about 1988. 88. I went there in the summer of 88. And uh, then, you know, the first bombs went off, I think, on the 31st of July. There was a bomb at the outside the Srinagar Club and one at, at the Central Telegraph Office. So, and uh, before that, reports had started coming that there are boys coming. Mm -hmm. crossing over and we used to have an old Kashmir hand uh, in Srinagar he was basically a JK police officer Sapru so I called Sapru Saab and I said Sapru Saab kya ho raha? he said Saab ye kuch nahi hai border crossing hota rata hai Kashmir mein aap fikar mat kariye then uh, there was a statement a little uh, month or so later by the chief minister Dr. Abdullah who made uh, a remark in Anantnag or something, saying that we have 100 militants in the valley. And suddenly uh, Delhi sat up and said, what is your chief minister saying? So I went to Dr. Saab and I said, sir, you said there were 100 militants in the valley. And typical of Farooq, 
He said, did I say that? <laughs> I said, that's what they say. So he said, even if I said it, it's all right. We'll take care of them. So at that point, nobody really understood or realized the gravity of the situation. And it got out of hand, out of control very, very fast. When I think back, you know, that uh, that was a bad uh, winter, the 80, 89, 90 winter. Yeah. When uh, Rubaiya was kidnapped and That's killing started. Mufti Muhammad Zaid's daughter, Rubaiya Zaid. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, the pundits started getting uh, targeted and all that. It was, a, it was a bad, bad winter, a terrible time to be there. But, uh, and uh, then, uh, you know, um, the government changed, 89 here, VP Singh came and uh, Farooq sensed that uh, they might make a change. You know, they were gunning for him uh, between, uh, not VP Singh, but uh, between Jagbon, Mufti and Arun Nehru. Uh, they were gunning for him and he knew that. So he had warned Delhi that if you change the governor, Krishna Rao, General Krishna Rao was then the governor. If you change the governor, then um, you can send anybody. But if you send Jagmohan back, I will quit. So you're talking about the Kashmiri Pandits who left, who the exodus that we talk about, the, yeah, the ethnic exodus. cleansing yeah, of the, the Kashmiri exodus. Pandits. I don't know whether cleansing is the right word, but yeah, they were targeted. Now, I've, I've never had a satisfactory answer to why and who got the who. Why did they leave en masse thousands Not of... Not only that, whose idea was it to target the pundits? And I have spoken to the JK, some JKLF boys. And I said, this must have been the ISI's doing. And they said uh, that, uh, no, this was our own people decided. Our what, own. Who was, who, what does that mean, our own people? I mean, the, the, it was very convenient at that point of time to point towards uh, Ishfaq Wani because he was dead. And indirectly, they also blame, blamed uh, Yasin. Yasin Malik. Yasin Malik. But the uh, thing is that. Um, no, so Yasin Malik, JKLF, Ishwak. It was only JKLF at that time. There was no other militant. Okay. And that's the other point I'll come to. But uh, so this. Uh, it was a bad time and... Uh, but can I, let me just ask you, so you don't think it was the ISI? Remember 89 when well, Rubaiya was... That's the whole thing, yeah, yeah. I have not been able to point it there exactly that it was the ISI. There is one theory uh, a JKLF boy told me that, you know, when partition happened, uh, a lot of Muslims had to leave Jammu. And uh, so there was a lot of resentment among those Muslims who left. And some of them joined the army and some of them got into the ISI and, and things like that. So that, that resentment was there. But I don't think that is a satisfactory answer. I've searched for it for a long time and the nearest that I can get to it is that there were these quiet ideologues in the valley at that time. Were they sort of the Jamaat-e-Islami or they, who yeah, were they? Jamaat-inclined, I would say. Not necessarily Jamaat... Uh, belonging to the Jamaat. Because let me also remind you that when this whole business started, no less a person than uh, Sayyid Alisha Gilani referred to the JKLA boys as terrorists, you know. Mm -hmm. And he refused to join him till he was summoned by the ISI to Nepal 
in early 1990 and they said that you have to follow uh, it's going so well you have to join and that's when the Hezbollah was created and um, uh, mayhem followed. So these Islamic ideologues? These ideologues were people who were funding the movement. Now, I don't want to name names, but uh, Why some, of name names? Are, some of them are dead, some of them are still around or are not around. But there's an interesting thing that, you know, recently I mentioned this to Dr. Farooq Abdullah. I said, you know, people are beginning to say now in Kashmir that Sheikh Saab made a mistake in 1947. You know, which is? Which is that he, he should have gone with Jinnah. He should have gone with Pakistan. People are saying now. So Farooq explained it to me I mean, very thoroughly. He said, don't forget that these are the same Jamatis who opposed it even in 47. And in 47, there were people who said, because, uh, you know, Sheikh Saab was a second or third generation convert. They said that uh, this Sheikh is a Kashmiri Pandit, Nehru is a Kashmiri Pandit, and these Pandits have got together. No, so I didn't to understand. So, the, so if the Jamaatis, uh, the Jamaat Islami in 1947 did not want to go to Pakistan, because no, they, they felt wanted to go to Pakistan. They wanted, they wanted to, go. to go to Pakistan. Okay. It was the Sheikh who... Who stopped that. Who stopped it, yeah. And that is the point... Farouk and today was, again the Jamaatis are... Yeah, saying that it is that pro-Pakistan lobby. I, I don't know if people in Delhi understand it or they deliberately want to ignore it because uh, some of them are, are with Delhi today. So that, uh, you know... No, so today they are saying that Sheikh Abdullah... Made a mistake. Made a mistake and it he should have... a blunder. We should have gone with Pakistan. But hasn't that been the story of Kashmir in a sense for the last 70 odd years? Whether uh, it should have gone with Pakistan, should have remained with India or now a lot of people saying that it should be independent. Isn't that the story of Kashmir? It is the story of Kashmir. It is the story of Kashmir. See, as I see it, as somebody who worked there, who has been involved for a long time, that... And I think it goes back to Pandiji's time that what Delhi was trying to do throughout in Kashmir was to gradually mainstream Kashmir, get the idea of Pakistan out of their head. You know, Sheikh Saab had said very early in his uh, uh, relationship with Pandiji that, I mean, after he became Prime Minister of Kashmir, that if you want a plebiscite, you know, because Pandiji had committed to a plebiscite. Right. So, if you want a plebiscite, I can get it done. This is the time I can get it done because, you know, he I'm, had the I'm all powerful. He had the authority. But uh, people here didn't know, dilly dallied. And I think one of the, the biggest blunders in Kashmir was the arrest of Sheikh Abdullah. That is something which, which you hear repeatedly over and over again. But can I bring you to the present, Mr. Dulat? Yeah which is 70 years later or 73 years later, and ask you, Article 370 was revoked. Uh, it's been three years now, 2019, August. Mm -hmm. How has that changed uh, and in Kashmir today? And what is that, if you talk about the present, what is the situation like? You see, 370, uh, when the revocation took place, I, I spoke against it, I wrote against it. And my point was very simple, that uh, there was nothing in 370. 370 had finished in 75, 
when uh, Sheikh signed that accord with, with Indira, Gandhi. Indira Gandhi. Everything was gone. And Sheikh had said that uh, accession was irrevocable. So there was nothing left in 370. It was only a fig leaf. Why did we want to deprive the Kashmiri? That was my argument. But now that it's done, I've said after, uh, since that uh, it's done, it's dusted, and the Kashmiri is gradually reconciling to it. You think uh, that they are reconciling? They are, they are reconciled to it. They are reconciled to it. The only question is, the, the Kashmiri today craves peace. But peace with dignity, the Kashmiri doesn't like to admit defeat, you know. You know he'll lie down, he'll get up again. He'll pretend he's dead, but he'll again get up. So as long as you assure him that he's not defeated, that we are with you, you are with us kind of thing, you're a part of India. Mm -hmm. But can I, can I, you know, your book, you have a couple of strands here. You, you've always been in favor of dialogue, reconciliation. Absolutely. And now you're there talking also, way. and now you're also indicating that you, that the government should allow the Kashmiris to save face as it were. Right? No, it's in Delhi's interest that Kashmir saves face. Right. You know? Like in the rest of Otherwise, the country. Kashmir will always remain uh, a trouble spot, you know. But and this it will always give an opportunity for Pakistan to fish in, in the troubled waters here. But when you say that uh, Ajit Doval, the national security advisor, he said to you one time, you were talking at the Gymkhana Club and both of you uh, were chatting about Pakistan and Kashmir. And he said to you, and I thought it was an interesting remark, when he says that, Mr. Dulat, that you and me, we can both resolve Pakistan together if we feel like it. That's right. That's what he said to me. And what is that? And, uh, you know, there are, like the Kashmiri, I say, there are so many layers within layers of the Kashmiri. Uh, Ajit Dole also has a lot of layers within layers. Of course. Know? So there was a time that he was at a loose end. You know, he, he had finished his tenure as DIB. He, he was at, he didn't know where he, what his future was. That was the time that he also set up the Vivekananda Foundation. Foundation. And I was one of the first invitees there, you know. Uh, he invited four or five of us for lunch and asked our views on how to set it up. And I said, Ajit, anything that you set up will, uh, has to work. So that lunch at the Gymkhana Club, actually, uh, he did say that, uh, you know, if you and I were to work together, we could sort out Pakistan. And his point was that, you know, he, he knew how to use the, the stick, the tough line. And with my softer sort of thing, the combination could possibly work. But how does, so that's how I'm trying to connect it with Kashmir. Do you still look at, as we did in the Vajpayee years mm -hmm. and subsequently in the Manmohan Singh years, of the Kashmir issue as a triangle uh, between India and Pakistan. So you remember there was the old school which said that conversation between Srinagar and Delhi, Srinagar and Islamabad and Islamabad and Delhi, sort of like a triangular stool. But that's over with 370, with the revocation of 370, that's over, right? Yeah, it is over. At least uh, in Delhi's mind, it is over. So this conversation so with you and Mr. Dover, yeah. So we have come then exactly where we wanted. I thought we were already there, but now we've gone further in, uh, you know, uh, what is it called? Getting the Kashmiri, the Pakistani, Pakistan out of the Kashmiri mind. And uh, Pakistan is not an issue today in, in, in Kashmir. What does that mean? 
that means there is no love for Pakistan. There is a group, there will always be a group, you know. There are still people who, with that bent of mind, mostly Jamaatis. So, in a sense, the revocation has worked then. The fact that you revoked 370, stripped away that fig leaf, actually clarified the Kashmiris and their mind about Pakistan. That's right. That's why I've sometimes said the muscular policy has worked. Yeah. But you can't leave it half-baked, you know, whatever we are trying to do in Kashmir. Because uh, if things are, uh, the situation is favorable, then I think the status quo is not good enough. We need to improve on it. And that can only be done politically. That's, so, so, that's always the fallback uh, position. Yeah. So stage one, you would feel that the Doval doctrine or Prime Minister Modi's position that you have to deal with Kashmir, you know, ruthlessly, if you like, um, and I, I, tough. Um, say, let's let's in a, in a t with with toughness. That's worked. Yeah, toughness has worked. I, I, I admit that. But toughness, you know, that is history will will decide or will tell us whether how long it will work or not work. But the point really is, I don't think really, I don't believe that it is really the, the solution. The solution will only come politically. Otherwise, we will not have a solution. To what does that mean? Does that mean dialogue? Does that mean elections? What does that mean? Yeah, obviously elections. Revival of the political and democratic process. You remember 96, you know, as things began to improve, uh, it was uh, the 96 election, uh, two, two, three things happened at that time. Narasimha Rao was a smart prime minister. He realized, for one, that this um, governing through Delhi was not, not going to work. We needed a government, uh, elected government. And this governor's rule was enough, six years was enough. So we must have elections. And initially, the National Conference was not prepared for an election. So it took some time to persuade Farooq to, to come around and, and say that, okay. So he wanted something, you know, as Farooq always says that, you know, they, we must have something to go to the people with. Right. And that is the time, if you recall, that Narasimha Rao made that... Uh, Famous this thing that if if uh, the, if the Kashmiris want autonomy, then the sky is the limit. Whether it was directed at the national conference or in his own mind at Shabir Shah, I don't know. But it satisfied the national conference at that point of time. But today, it gave them an excuse for all right. So today, if the Delhi question is, is willing to be reasonable. Yeah. Then we will participate in the elections. So today, Delhi. So having done stage one, post-revocation... I think they've done one, two, three. But they should do four, five, six, you know. But the question is, even if they do four, five, six, and if four, if point, four, point number four is elections, the question is that today you have the opposition in Kashmir, whether it's the National Conference led by Dr. Farooq Abdullah or Omar, Omar Abdullah, um, or the PDP led by Mehbooba Mufti mm -hmm. and the other smaller parties. They seem to be united under the Gupkar Declaration. That's right. So... How do you see this? I mean, I think the BJP tried very hard. This is a point which I, I think Farooq has played it very smartly. 
he is a very sharp very astute politician people think that you know he is very casual about things he is not and uh, i think he's played it very well and he's said to me more than once that uh, the question today for, for us is not accommodation it is togetherness we must get together or we must or we will perish so get together with so the and the national conference with the pdp and with the other smaller kashmiri parties against the bjp is that what you're saying stick together in the interests of kashmir no stick together to save kashmir right but against the bjp well you could put it like that yeah in a sense against the bjp if if the bjp is not willing to be reasonable now the question is and that is the big question in kashmir that if there were to be elections would the gupkar declaration hold or not hold and here i think uh, you know nobody has a clear answer if you ask me i i doubt if the national conference and the pdp will go together you know much as that would be the best thing for kashmir but then the best things don't happen in kashmir and yet you say mr dulat in your book that dr farooq abdullah's father sheikh saab sheikh abdullah said to his son to farooq abdullah that politics is about jumping into the jhelum and swimming upstream it's it's akin to that yeah but farooq saab said to you that listen that's not my game my game is to swim alongside the current and i'm paraphrasing you of course yeah yeah that's right that's right The point that I'm asking is that if Farooq Saab who has repeatedly shown again and again and again that he's he's Kashmiri, he's Indian, you know, he wears his multiple identities very smoothly. Now, in today's India, remember that he is the member of parliament from Srinagar, having been under house arrest for more than a year after 370 was revoked. What are his thoughts today about being a mainstream indian politician working with delhi and the bjp farooq understands very well and i think kashmir and kashmiris understand very well that he is by far the tallest uh, leader in kashmir and he understands his responsibility that now i have to do whatever i have to do uh, in the name of allah for kashmir and uh, I would go a step further whether people agree with me or not I think he is the only muslim leader of substance in the country you know there is nobody else so uh, and this is this people used to say was true of, of Sheikh Saab as well but how does he ally with delhi he's always been with delhi like you said yourself that he he will not he doesn't like swimming against the tide he will be with delhi he's always been with delhi but it is delhi that doesn't understand him when is he not been with delhi you know in 84 or or when shakes before shakes up died 81 actually it was of to put it exactly october 81 uh, that uh, mrs gandhi went to shakes because his health was failing and uh, that please decide on your successor and there's nobody better than than farooq and then sheikh sab made the announcement mm-hmm. and yet in in 84 the, the next blunder took place when they dismissed farooq no, and as you know bikaneru who, who was mrs gandhi's cousin or whatever refused to do it 
So the hatchet man from Delhi, Jagmohan had to come to, to dismiss Farooq. So the hatchet man, we'll talk about his role in uh, in 1989 when the Kashmiri Pandits left uh, the valley and came to, you know, <laughs> to other parts of the country. But I just want to ask you, if if you're saying that Farooq Saab has always worked with Delhi. Always. So yeah. today, in today's situation where elections are held, and it's not a question of if, but when. Yeah. When elections are held in Kashmir, will Farooq Abdullah and the National Conference ally with the Delhi party? I'm sure they will if necessary, but it'll all depend on when elections are held, what the election arithmetic is, how many, you know, who has how many seats. Last time, um, Mufti Sahib had no option, but Mufti Sahib had already decided before the 2014 elections. He was so excited at the, you know, the parliament results in, in the three constituencies in the valley in which National Conference lost all three seats that he thought that now the BJP will come and I'll ally with them and everything will be hunky-dory. You know, I attended Mufti Saab swearing in on the 1st of March 2015. And all the who's who of, of the BJP and the RSS were there on the dais with him and there was much hugging and, and, and whatever. And when the whole lot left, Mufti Saab gave that interview. Do you remember? Yes. And, Where he and, thanked the Hurriyat and, and Pakistan. And Pakistan. For allowing and the elections to be held. Pakistani. Now people don't understand the compulsions of, of, uh, of a chief minister in Kashmir. And yet, Farooq could never have given such an interview. But the point is that if because Mufti's... Because he's too far too savvy a politician. He wouldn't do something like but that. But having said that, if Mufti Saab or his party, the PDP, allied with the BJP, yeah. because the BJP got 25 seats in the Jammu region, yeah. and he got 25... or something, and, and he got a majority in the valley. Yeah. So he believed that he could be the bridge between the BJP and the Kashmiri political parties, the PDP. Mm. This is in the 2014 election. Yeah. Today, going forward, 2023 or whenever elections are held. I feel now it will not be before 24. Do you feel that the National Conference could ally with the BJP? If a necessity arose, possibly. Possibly. And this is despite the house arrest that Farooq Abdullah has been through, his son Omar Abdullah has been through, their family. You see, the thing with Farooq is, and this is unique, that... Uh, he forgives very easily, but he doesn't forget, you know, so it'll, it'll all be there. I mean, you know, he was promised in 2002, Delhi was very keen to shift Umar from Delhi to Srinagar mm -hmm. and bring uh, Farooq from Srinagar to Delhi. For what? In what position? And they promised him vice presidentship. You know, but it never happened. And I remember Farooq especially called me to his office in, in that summer. I think it was May. And he was very serious. He never, usually never called me to his office. We always met at home and he called me and he said, tell me, is Delhi serious about, is Delhi going to make me vice president? I said, of course. You've been told that. I said, you've been told that by Brijesh Mishra in my presence. 
and uh, you, I'm sure the Prime Minister has told you, the Home Minister has told you. He said, yeah, they've all, to, all told me, but I don't trust Delhi. I don't trust Delhi. And if you recall, there was an interview he gave to Said Nakwil subsequently, in which when uh, Said said that, what is the problem in Kashmir? He said the problem is Delhi doesn't trust us. And he was then a union minister, they said. The question is that today, after the humiliation that he has suffered at the hands of the Modi government, been under house arrest for more than a year, his son under house arrest for more than a year, his family not allowed to meet each other, would he be willing to overcome this humiliation and still ally with Prime Minister Modi's party? See, there's a, let me put it like this, that there's no love lost today between uh, between Dr. Saab and, and, and Modi. But trust can be built, trust can happen if the BJP were to extend a, a proper warm hand to him. He's willing to understand. He, he's, he's a willing, very practical politician. He's willing to. I'm not saying. I'm not saying that. I'm not suggesting. Please don't get me wrong. That Farooq is ready to do a deal with the BJP. He would much rather do, you know, have an alliance with the with the Congress. The obvious alliance in the next election is the National Conference and the Congress. Mm -hmm. But if the Congress doesn't get sufficient seats in Jammu. And a national conference is left isolated in the, in the valley, then uh, they may have no option but to to go with the BJP. So let me ask you about Pakistan. You also uh, you're saying that Please, today in Pakistan has been a spin-off as far as I'm concerned. I'm not a Pakistan expert. It's been a spin-off from Kashmir. You know, one thing leads to another, and uh, that's why when I suddenly got invited to Pakistan in 2010. Uh, there used to be what was called the Balusa Dialogue and uh, uh, Salman, uh, Salman. Haider said to me one day, Mia Lahore chaloge? I Lahore? Salman Haider, the former foreign secretary. Yeah. So he said, I said, you are talking like this, so, बोले हम ले चलेंगे तो मैंने कहा मुझे वीजा कौन देगा बोला हम दिलवाएंगे and so it happened that uh, I went to Pakistan for the first time and then I went to Pakistan and I am the only you know a former agent a former chief of India's intelligence agency yeah yeah, yeah. and I've been there four times now twice to on that Balusa thing once uh, with, uh, I think it was Pagwash in, in Islamabad and then in Karachi, it was that uh, Aman Ki Asha. But you've times. never, but when you were in Vajpayee's PMO, the Prime Minister then, Vajpayee Ji himself, he went to Pakistan, you never went at the time. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a peculiar thing, it's a good question that you ask me because uh, they, the, the Prime Minister and, and and his party would travel all over the world in the three and a half years that I was there. And I was not really interested. But when they were going to Pakistan, I got quite excited. 
एंड आई वेट टू ब्रजेश एंड आई सेट सर आप सारी दुनिया घूमते हैं मैंने कभी नहीं कहा और वाई डोंट यू टेक मी टू पाकिस्तान सो वॉट ही सेट एक्चुअली आई थिंक वॉज वेरी सिग्निफिकेंट ही बड़े मौके आएंगे अब एंड बट नॉट दिस विजिट नॉट दिस विजिट and that is when i realized that obviously there was a back channel on at that time this is january 2004 when prime this minister is, uh, january 2004. when but atel ji went for the sark summit the and then there summit. was a bilateral yeah, uh, and, meet uh, as well with musharraf was, that's when i realized that there was a back channel on and brijesh was very optimistic that things would move but cutting and forward he, obviously things he they wanted things to move even agra I could tell you, I was not at Agra. I had no business to be in Agra. But when they came back, uh, and I talked to Brijesh, they were very—he was very upset. He said, "Yar, hote hote reh gaya," and he was smoking away. And so it was. It but was hote hote kaise reh gaya? Who's who did he put the blame on? He put the blame on the Pakistani diplomats. he said they played it wrong they put all their eggs in the vajpai basket and that put too much pressure on the prime minister and therefore he came under pressure and the others around him said no you know the interesting thing about the the agra summit is that everybody talks of it as uh, you know uh, and yet it was advani ji and ashraf jahangir qazi then pakistan high commissioner that they were the one who who conjured this whole thing but i feel and i believe that actually it was a much smarter operation between ashraf jahangir qazi brijesh mishra and george fernandes and advani ji was being used without realizing that he was being used no but even if advani ji was being used the fact remains that yeah yeah he was all for it he was all for the agra uh, Absolutely. the reconciliation not only that he 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 was the one who suggested that musharraf should be invited so do you think that musharraf played it badly because you also in your book you say that in pakistan today no, according to as i say i am only banking on what brijesh uh, mishra told me he didn't put any blame on musharraf he said uh, now he was actually implying that the high commissioner and abdul sattar who was then foreign minister he felt that sattar who had been posted twice in, in delhi before as high commissioner also should have known better that you know but can i can i flash forward to 2015 when prime minister modi goes to lahore um to attend nawaz sharif's granddaughter's wedding when he flies from kabul to lahore and that was i mean i think the whole subcontinent was was completely gobsmacked by yeah, uh, yeah. that visit by prime minister modi i mean to put yourself in the hands of the pakistani intelligence i mean i'm sure you've got your own security guys around but you sat in a pakistani chopper flew from lahore to raiwind which is the nawaz sharif's family home that must have been quite a, a significant yeah, obviously, event uh, obviously at that point of time uh delhi was i think thinking or inclined to to move forward with pakistan if you recall even for uh, 
Modi ji is swearing in. Yeah, 2014. Yeah. Um, Mia Sahib was invited. And, uh, you know, um, at that time, I was getting phone calls from Srinagar saying that uh, you're inviting everybody from around. Why not, uh, why not Mia Sahib? So I, I passed the message on to the powers that be. In Delhi. In Delhi. And uh, they seemed, uh, well, okay, but what if he doesn't come? If we dish out an invitation and he doesn't come? So I spoke to somebody in Pakistan, a diplomat there, and he said, no, 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 don't bank on Mia Saab's coming. He'll not be able to come. He'll not be allowed to come. And then finally, I asked my friend, that's a Durani. He's a former ISI chief. Yeah, and he said, I see no reason for him not to go. He, if he's invited, he should go. He will go. And that's what happened. He came. Yeah, he came. And then again, we, we dealt with him quite shabbily, snubbed him here, you know, the foreign secretary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, remarks were made which were not, not necessary at that point of time. And last If we were beginning a new relationship. And last year, when the 2020, when the ceasefire on the line of control. Uh, now things have changed. No, but that agreement to renew the ceasefire I on the LOC. Not interested anymore. I, I don't see any interest in Pakistan anymore. Why not? I think uh, Delhi is, feels um, much, much more powerful, much stronger. Uh, we don't, we don't. Pakistan doesn't matter. It's of no consequence. So then, how is the ceasefire on the along the LOC, the line of control between India and Pakistan in Kashmir? How is that renewed in 2021? There has to have been a back-channel conversation. Oh yeah, sure there was. There was. What was there? Are all kinds of stories on that back channel. Uh, one back channel was uh, apparently between senior intelligence officers on both sides, mm-hmm. and uh, the second was that. Um, Possibly, Moeed uh, Yusuf spoke to Ajit Doval somewhere. But my own gut feeling tells me that if there was a back channel of any substance, it would have to be between Bajwa and Doval. And you think there was so Bajwa, the former Pakistan Army chief, yeah. and Ajit Doval, Ajit. you think there could have been some conversation? I think there, there must have been. So let's move forward, uh, Mr. Dulat. Bajwa is no more the Pakistan army chief. There is a new army chief. There is a new prime minister, Shahbaz Sharif. Elections are going to be held in Pakistan very soon. Um, Nawaz Sharif, who is outside the country, may come back. We, we don't know how things will unfold inside Pakistan. But do you see that there, that the revival of a conversation with Pakistan could take place? Do you think things could improve inside Kashmir. And do you see that the two are linked or no longer? I don't know if I should be saying this, but uh, if there is to be a revival, it should al- already be happening in London. Where Nawaz Sharif lives? Okay. You mean is that-, that not a possibility? You mean between India and Pakistan, there could be some sort of a 
a back channel I, with Nawaz Sharif. I was interested in, in Pakistan today. I, I would devote a lot of time to London. But let me ask because you. Because Saab in London still calls the shots. So let me ask you, when, the, when Article 370 was revoked in August of 2019, mm -hmm. do you feel that there could have been a back channel at the time with Pakistan? Because really, if you think back, there wasn't that much action inside Pakistan. Of course, there was the usual uh, critical commentary. The Pakistanis were deeply unhappy. There was a lot of fulminating. No, no, no. In fact... Both uh, the Kashmiri and people in Pakistan were extremely disappointed at uh, the sort of position that Imran took. He didn't say very much. I mean, he did the usual uh, this thing that you know we don't accept this, and and for us to move forward, then uh, this uh, 370 has got to come back and all that. Everybody knew that 370 is gone. And that brought me think. It got me thinking at that point of time because you know I've always thought of how India and Pakistan can move forward. And I thought that now Pakistan is in, in a bit of a jam. How are they going to explain this position within Pakistan? And then something struck me. If you recall, Musharraf used to say time and time again that whatever is acceptable to Kashmir and Kashmiris will be acceptable to Pakistan. I think this is the most reasonable statement any Pakistani leader has made in my memory. So I thought of that and I said, if the Kashmiri is getting reconciled to the revocation of 370, then what problem can Pakistan have? Yeah, yeah that's what the Kashmiri wants. So accepts, then we accept it too. Yeah. Of course, it's easier said than done. But I was trying to, I was trying to think, what could help uh, Imran out of this. Well, on this note, I mean, Imran Khan is no longer prime minister, but as you say, there's always um, a new day, a new dawn, and uh, I'm just going to show your book to the audience again: "A Life in the Shadows," a memoir by A.S. Dulat. So do go out and buy it. And thank Thanks you. Thanks a lot. But all we've talked about is Kashmir. <laughs> and that's your, keep on blabbing Kashmir. And that's yeah. that's been a large part of your life, Mr. Dalat. It has. It has. Thank, thank you so uh, much for speaking to me. Whatever I've become in life, I think I owe totally to Kashmir. Well, thank you so much for Thanks speaking to the print. Thank Pleasure. you.